My name is Pastor Jesse. I um, oversee everything birth through fifth grade. Um, I primarily spend a lot of my time with the kindergarten through fifth grade. And um, I just uh, want to give a, another thank you to all the volunteers who made Vacation Bible School happen. Um, seriously, with that many kids coming through the doors, um, it's not going to get done. It's not going to happen without you. And all the people who were behind the scenes, who were crew leaders, who were station leaders, the people who made the set design and did snack and games and all those people, thank you as well. Even though you weren't with the kids every day, um, the whole time, you guys made VBS what it was. I also want to just take this opportunity because I don't get it very often. Um, to anybody who serves in our nursery, in our preschool, in our elementary during, um, on Sundays during a service, thank you for your service. You guys doing that makes it possible for other families, for new families, um, to be able to come in here and worship, um, knowing their kids are getting loved on and, and learning about Jesus. And, and thank you for just being Jesus to the kids. And I want to give a very special shout out and thank you to all the volunteers who are going to sign up after today because you realize you need to get involved in what we're doing. Um, also, you realize that 75% of our workforce leaves when college students go home for the summer and we really need your help. And so again, thank you for everyone who's going to be the volunteers in Kids Point um, after today. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but I needed to introduce myself because um, the funny thing is, is because we're getting, our staff is getting bigger and bigger, um, we get confused for each other an awful lot. Just a few weeks ago, um, someone came up to me and said, Pastor Steve, you did such a good job preaching the other day. Um, and we kind of have just a thing on staff where if like one of us gets complimented for something we didn't do, we just kind of pass it on. We just forward the message, kind of like an email. Um, and so... Um, myself and, and Dave and, and Steve and Ben, we oftentimes get confused together. Dave and I used to have long hair together and a big beard. I, only, I understood that completely. Um, ben, Steve and I get confused because we all work with people under the age of 21, um, but that doesn't mean we're the same person. However, after today, if you forget who I am and you just see another pastor walking around, you feel free to tell them good job they will forward me that message. Um, you can just say, good job, Jesse, and they will make sure they get, that gets to me. If, however, um, you have a criticism, uh, you can tell them as well, because I've told them that it's good to learn to take criticism and they just need to grow from it. Um, <laughs> And so uh, they're, they're ready for either one you want to give them. Um, but I am thankful for the opportunity today to get to share with you um, a little bit um, about here to there. I'm thankful that Pastor Steve gave me this opportunity. And I want to tell the story today of, of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 specifically. Um, Daniel's life is an amazing journey, um, but it, really, it doesn't really start that, that amazing. Daniel and his, his three friends, and we're going to use the, the Babylonian names that they have because most of you are aware of those, and that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If I said they're Hebrew names, you'd have no idea who I'm talking about. But Daniel and his three friends, they were royalty in Judah. They were royalty or at least very, very upper class people within Judah, probably in line to be leadership officials or even the king of Judah, okay? And when the Babylonian Empire came through, they were the world power at the time, when they would come through, through a nation, a country, a city, what they would do is they would wipe out the leadership 
And then they would take those teens, those kids that were part of that royal family or that upper class, they would take them to Babylonia or uh, Babylon, and then they would train them, indoctrinate them, assimilate them into their culture. So after a few years, they would then take those kids and put them into the leadership of those nations, those countries, those cities that they had taken over because they found that when someone sees someone they look like, that sounds like them, that they know the rest of the country just seems to start to follow suit when they start to impose the Babylonian rule and order. And so Daniel and his friends find themselves going from the royalty of Judah, now as indentured servants to the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. And while they're there, they're an official in the Babylonian empire is over these boys. They had officials over groups of, of these kids, and their job was to make sure they were growing, that they were learning, that they were progressing. Um, and not only their job, but their life was on the line based on how good these kids did. And so when Daniel and these kids came in, they, were, they became very close friends because they realized that they were, they were just killing it. They were doing awesome. They were learning the language quick, quickly. They were learning how to write the language quickly. They were learning the law um, very smoothly without many hiccups. And so the official and Daniel, they became pretty good friends. And um, one of the, the perks of the job, I suppose, um, if there was any perks, is that whatever the king ate that day was also what all these kids ate that day. And so they got to eat things from the king's table, which sounds awesome. Um, but Jewish people had pretty strict dietary laws. There were some things that just, you know, God didn't want to defile their bodies, and so they, they weren't allowed to eat certain things. And so this is what I found, I think, is the first written, documented case of someone going, um, can I just talk to you a second, sir? Um, I have some dietary issues I'd like to talk to you about. Um, and I was just wondering if there's any, a vegetarian option on the menu. Because what Daniel said to his official, he said, hey man, uh, I have a slight swine intolerance. It's just, it just doesn't settle well with my tum-tum. And uh, I was just wondering if there's like some veggies, a vegetarian option of some vegetables, you know, that would be really nice. We can grow them right here organically. Locally grown vegetables are always the best here in Judah. They're so delicious, right? Can I have some vegetables? And the official was like, well, here's the thing, guys. I like you. You know that. We're friends. But if after you start eating these vegetables, you start getting frail and weak and you're not as quick as in your mind and you're not doing well, well, here's the thing. I'm going to die. And I really, you know, I'm really loving just being alive right now. Like, <gasps> that breath was amazing. And I want to keep doing that for a long time. I don't want that to end quickly. And Daniel's like, okay, I understand. And I care about you too. And I don't want that to happen. But what if we just did like a 10-day trial? And that's where they always get you, right? When they say it's a free 10-day trial. You know what's going to happen. And so they said, let's just try it for 10 days. And so Daniel and his friends talked the official into giving them vegetables, only vegetables for 10 days. And they find after those 10 days that they are just outdoing all these other kids, all these other people in the programs, outperforming them physically, outperforming them mentally. And, and they're, everybody's really impressed with these boys from Judah. And so they were so impressed that the king's officials were like, you know what? We don't want our boys to be lacking. So we're going to change everyone's diet to vegetables. And now, I don't have any dietary restrictions. And if I found out 
that someone, because they just did better a little bit because they had some vegetables one day, took away all my bacon options, I wouldn't probably have been the, the, the most happy. And that's what happened. All the other people had to eat vegetables. But Daniel and his friends progressed, and it says at the end of chapter one that they met King Nebuchadnezzar. After three years of learning, of studying, they came in and met King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was so impressed that he immediately took all four of those kids and made them part of his, his upper council which is pretty amazing. But what I see in this story of Daniel is that um, Daniel didn't just assimilate the whole way. They gave him a Babylonian name of Belshazzar, and they gave the other boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those names are actually names that are praising their god, Bel, while the Hebrew names were praising our god, Yahweh. And, and they, they, they were learning the Babylonian culture, but they didn't jump in. Daniel didn't say, you know what? You're right. I'm out of Judah. I'm just going to eat what I want. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to learn what I want. I'm going to go full Babylonian. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go in all, all head, head first. He didn't say that, but he also didn't just go into isolation mode. It went, you know what? I grew up in Judah. This is how Judah does it. And I'm not going to do anything you guys want me to do. And I'm not going to learn the things. And I'm just going to purposely fail. Because if he would have just isolated himself more and more, Daniel's book would have probably only been one chapter. It's probably just the way it was going to be. But Daniel wrote a line of saying, you know what? I'm, I'm going to learn the ways of the Babylonians. And I'm going to learn their culture. And I'm going to respect what they're doing. But I'm also not going to defile myself and what God has for me. I'm going to remember the thing that got me this far. And that's God. And when I think about this story of Daniel, it really makes me think of cake. And you're probably like, Jesse, that's not how real pastors transition. However, if you're a children's pastor, that works almost every time. Um, because when, they're, when the kids hear that there's cake or cookies or something, they're like, oh, no, we're listening. We promise we're listening. That's what usually happens. Um, and so up here... Um, I have a cake, and I also have some ingredients. We have like powdered sugar, we have wheat, we have, we have hot water, we have the sugar, cocoa, uh, chocolate chips, oil, baking soda, um, or baking powder, don't use baking soda, baking powder, uh, milk, cookies, eggs, and we have a cake. And I didn't make this cake. The beautiful people at the Hy-Vee made the cake. I am bad at making beautiful cakes, okay? I might be able to make something that tastes good, but when you see it, you're like, it's a thing at the, at the, like the salad bar that you're like, I'll skip it. Um, that, I mean, mine might taste good, but you're probably going to skip it. Um, and a lot of these ingredients, you know, um, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, no one's going to turn down a spoonful of powdered sugar, right? You're just like, I guess so. If I need to, uh, I'll eat it. Um, or like a handful of chocolate chips or a few cookies, like you know, whatever, I, I guess. I'll take one for the team. But you don't, usually don't see a lot of people standing in line waiting for the spoonful to lick the spoon of, of flour. Like no, no kid's doing that. Um, however, um, I'm sure none of you are, are this kind of parent. However, I think I'm going to end up being this kind of parent where the kid's like, what's this? Oh, son, this is cocoa. This is what makes chocolate flavor. Oh, I want some. Okay, if you want. Um, we all know the outcome of that. <coughs> this is, uh, doesn't taste like chocolate. I know, gotcha. Um, now you know. <laughs> now you know. But these ingredients, they, they, they make a cake. And, and unlike the, you know, the homemade, homemade chocolate milk that you made when you were a teenager of, of taking a huge drink of water, uh, milk, squirting Hershey chocolate in your mouth and swishing your mouth around and going like, mmm, that was awesome, mom. And I don't think 
if I took a little bit of all of this and put it in my mouth and then was, I'd be like, mmm, chocolate cake. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. However, if one of you try it, make sure you tape it because I want to see it. Um, um, and the same, okay, so, so my son is two months old now. And uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but since he's been born, we've just been watching cooking shows, like nonstop. Um, on Netflix. We've just been blasting through cooking shows. And uh, I, I love them. I really do. And my wife likes them. And at the very first episode, we always pick the contestant that we think's going all the way. And then I usually just like mentally drop out once my contestant's out week one, which they always are. Deborah, come on. Um, and uh, we just watch them. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just like the calm atmosphere of like like nothing really bad is going to happen in a cooking show. And, and when the timers go off, that's usually when Thor needs to eat anyway. So it, like, it works. It's like double, double purpose. But I, I, I suffer from a syndrome that maybe some of you who also watch similar shows suffer from. And that syndrome is, oh, I can do that syndrome. And so when I watch people cook, I'm like, <laughs> I can do that. Bread, easy. Cookies, I got that on lock. That super fancy cake, I bet if I worked hard on it, I could do it. And there's not a chance. But my wife is kind, and she goes, yeah, maybe we could do that. And then I get in my head that I know I can. And I get about halfway through cooking things, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is going to turn out terribly. And when I watch shows like Chopped, it's like, look in your basket for the secret ingredients. And it's like, here's a lobster, and here's marshmallows. I'm like... What? Those don't go together. But then the, the chef makes this beautiful course out of shrimp and, or lobster and marshmallows. And I'm like, mind is blown. I can do that. And when I think of Daniel's life, I, I do think of cake. And here's why. Because these ingredients remind me of life circumstances. Some of these things are really, really, really good. No one's going to complain about having to eat or having to go through these circumstances in life, the good stuff. You know, the powdered sugars, the sugars, the milk, the, the, uh, the cookies, the chocolate chips. I don't know many people who would be super fond of the hot water, but I mean, it's not really bad because there's really bad stuff too. There's, there's, you're not gonna just wanna eat a spoonful of flour. You're not gonna eat a spoonful of cocoa. If you drink oil, Again, I don't know exactly what would happen, but if you do it, please let me know. I'm sure your tum-tum issues would, would just be gone. Um, yeah. But each of these ingredients plays a very, very important role in the cake. You need these to make this. If you take one away, you don't get this. If you take a few away, you definitely don't get this. If you add more stuff, you better know exactly what you're doing because you probably won't get this. You can't just mix and match things either. And when I think of Daniel's life and I think of our own life and I think about our life circumstances, sometimes I think, you know what, this isn't, where I am right now isn't super good. I don't, I'm not really feeling it. Um, my financial system right now, uh, I don't really like where I am financially. Relationally, I'm not too fond of that either. My job, I don't like it. Um, I'm trying to find a way out of my job right now. Um, some of us, we really like where we are. We love what we're doing. We love where we live. We love the people we're, we're spending time with. 
But we all have gone through really good times and really bad times as well. And when you take each of these things and you think that you're just going to take one on at a time, it's not going to end up like that. I can't say I'm in a bad part of my life and so I'm just going to stomach this flour because I have to to have cake. Instead, I know that I need to give this to the person who knows what in the world they're doing with it because it's not me. In Romans 8.28, the Bible says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his good purpose. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his good purpose. All things for good. When, when you are working or baking with a kid, yes, at the end of the time, the kitchen is usually trashed, there's, there's stuff everywhere, but there's something that's so special about spending the time in the kitchen teaching your kid how to bake a cookie or, how to, or making a cake together. And when you're with the kid, you know that when you say, okay, I need one scoop of the flour, you could end up with a half a scoop or six scoops. You don't know. But as a parent, you enjoy that process of them giving you the things and developing and making something special. And, and, and for dads who used to make pancakes when your kids were growing up on a Saturday morning and they're like, I want chocolate chips in mine. You guys, we knew how many chocolate chips that needed to go in there to make a really good chocolate chip pancake. But the thing was, is our kids, they had no idea what any of this stuff was. This stuff should be all like foreign spices and ingredients to a kid. They have no idea how it works, how it tastes, how it functions. And a lot of the time in our life, we have no idea why we're somewhere, what the purpose of it is, and, and what the point of having to go through this trial is. We have no idea. And that's okay. Because we don't really need to, to worry about that. If we're willing to take that ingredient and go, here, God, I don't know what to do with this thing. I need you to help me out. He takes all things and uses them for good. Now, 24-year-old Jesse probably wouldn't have taken this very well. I was living in Ohio, and I hated my job. I was looking for new jobs, and I was actually, um, I was a pastor, but I was actually looking for ways to be able to convince, like, to get a job that wasn't in church or ministry and just be like, all right, mom and dad, like, this is why I'm just taking a break when I just really wanted out because I just really didn't like um, where I was and the environment I was working in. I had a, I had a fiance who dumped me about a month before our, our wedding day, um, and I was going through a lot of depression and loneliness. I was going home to a house by myself, and for anybody in here who's an extrovert, to go to work and sit in your office by yourself and then to go home to an empty house and sit by yourself six days a week is literally the worst thing in the entire world to an extrovert. And it was, that was every day for four years. It was the worst, okay? And if I would have, you would have told me like, no, Jesse, just understand that it's just a process. You need to be able to take this and you need to give it to God because you don't know what it's gonna be at the end. But he does. He knows what it's gonna be in the end. And I had pastors and I had, I had um, my parents to encourage me through those times. 
And, and thankfully, I got a call from a girl, um, a, a woman named Karen, um, who was the youth pastor wife at the time, Jordan. And Karen called me and was like, hey, Jesse, are you still doing children's ministry? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm still doing it. And she's like, do you want to come to South Dakota and do it? And I was like, what's in South Dakota? And she said, there's people here. And I said, okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, because you have to understand something. I had never been further west than Indianapolis at that time. I didn't know there was anything between Indianapolis and California. Like, I knew they were there because I had gone to school, but I didn't know what was there. And I, you know what, when Pastor Steve um, called me and, and we talked and I talked to um, some other people here, I didn't, even, I didn't even come visit South Dakota. I was just like, all right, let's go. God, this is a door you've opened. I'm just going to walk through it. Because I started to understand that even though there were some really good things in my life, and even though right now my life was not so good, I had to understand that there was a final product. And right now my life is, I would say my life personally is probably in the cookie bowl right now. I have a wife and I have a son and I love where I am and I love what I do. This is really good for me. But I understand that there, there very well and probably will be some raw eggs coming my way that I'm not a big fan of. And I understand that. But I also understand now, going through those things, that this is the end result God's going for. We have things in our life that we just don't get. He does. We have situations in our life that we don't know why we're there. But he does. Daniel went from royalty to being an indentured servant to the king in a country he didn't know, with customs and languages and people he didn't know. And because he gave continuously this stuff over to God every day, God, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm going to try to eat. I'm just going to eat vegetables. God made that, took that for good. God, there might be a prayer ban, but I'm going to pray to you. And God used that for good. I have to go into a lion's den. Hmm, okay, well, this is real bad, but God, I'll give this to you. Oh, God, my friends are getting thrown into a furnace. That's probably a bad thing, but we're going to give this up to you. You see, when we're going from here to there, there are going to be a lot of rough patches, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't like. But next time you're in a low patch, and maybe you are right now, understand that life is nothing but a piece of cake. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day and thank you for each and every one of these um, adults that came to church today. And God, I just pray and thank you um, for their hearts. Thank you for um, this community that you've built here at Grace Point. Thank you for all the kids and, and the volunteers and, and the people who are at the coffee shop and the info desk that make this place happen. God, we don't come here to, to show off or to uh, just to say, like, look how fancy we are, God. We, we come here because we really believe you can make our lives different, that you and your Holy Spirit can change someone's heart and life trajectory 180 degrees from somewhere they had no idea they were, were and no idea where they were going, God. I pray that you help us take the good things in our life, the bad things in our life, the things that are, we feel lost with, and let us give them to you because, God, you take all things 
and work them together for good. And we love you and pray this all in your name. Amen.